Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on, guys? So sorry for not putting out the podcast on Monday this week. I have been crazy. I'm trying to keep up. And I just recorded this one for you guys. It's a good one on a lot of the basic stuff. I, I think that there's a couple living in, a, in New York City and going over. My dog doesn't go on walks or doesn't like to go on walks. They plant. They, they put their they, – they flat out. Um, we're using a front club harness. Should we be using that? This dog is also a constant and habitual humper. When people come over, we get overly stimulated. We're jumping. You guys will hear all that in a minute. But anyway, it's a good podcast just going over behavior and, and how to kind of go around certain scenarios and try to work with them. Um, as you guys know, we're coming over to the UK. I'm so excited to come over and do another seminar right outside of London. The tickets are in the description below. And don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast because I'm going to be answering your dog training questions. Every podcast, I answer three. And if you want me to answer your specific dog training questions, head over to the iTunes review What's chart. <laughs> head over to the iPhone. Wow. Head over to the iTunes review chart and leave a review and your question at the same time. And I will talk to you guys probably tomorrow on Wednesday. Bye. Basically, we have a four-year-old King Charles Cavalier Spaniel who... Um, we she were seeing like a lot of anxiety out of her and the biggest problem that we're having is that like anytime she gets like overly excited or we come somewhere like in the house or we have guests over she will start like humping our legs and our arms like particularly mine like basically uncontrollably um she didn't always do it we she started probably last january or like about a year and a half ago and we did have a baby last September so there's like been a lot of change in her life but this particular behavior we like we don't know what to do about it like overall she's like a a really good dog but we're kind of stumped and we don't know if it's anxiety we don't we just like don't know what to do and I've watched a bunch of your videos and I like just thought you might be someone that we could reach out to to kind of get some guidance on like why the dog would be doing this and like how to kind of help her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what, what have you done so far about it? I mean, as far as it happening, 
it it's hard to say exactly why these things happen. Dogs are just sometimes they do it because they're excited. Sometimes they do it because they're protective. Sometimes there's no like, oh, dogs hump because of this. There's mm-hmm. it, it it wears itself in so many different ways that it's hard to specifically say, oh, yeah, like a dog. It's it's like barking. It's like mm-hmm. a dog barks because of literally 15 to 20 different things just off the top of my head. So it's, it's something that is, is it just, so anyway, I can't narrow down exactly like, Oh, this is why that happens, but it, right. it's hit or miss of, of why these things happen. But the, the real, and you said she's, she's four years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's like a little over four. And it recently started when, and I know you said you had a child last year, but this is something that's, that's kind of started more recently. No, so it's it started probably when I was pregnant, honestly, okay. is like the best timing I can give you. As it started in like January of 21. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't know, Mike, if you feel this way, like I almost feel like it's kind of gotten progressively like worse or she's doing it more. Even like in the beginning, it was sort of inconsistent. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's just very frantic. Um, you know, you can tell that, you know, it usually happens, like Ash said, when people come into the house um, I think that's the most common ash, right? When, mm-hmm. when someone, especially if something someone she knows, and it actually doesn't really matter if she knows them, she just like mm-hmm. gets so excited. Um, and yeah, I think that's the best summary, and I agree with the timeline that you laid out as well. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it it, it probably then is like an overstimulation thing potentially. If mm-hmm. somebody comes over and it, any time of behavior, it doesn't matter what it is, pulling on the leash, barking, humping, jumping, you name it, nipping, whatever. It, if it's if it happens more often when there's stimulation, then that's probably like an excitement thing more than anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the real the real question is is because this isn't like a this isn't like a, I don't know how to explain it, but it's not a, it's not a behavior that you guys are like, holy crap, what the heck do we do? I know that it's, uh, it's definitely annoying, but I'm saying it's not like a behavior where your dog is biting people or nipping people or even barking. This is just something that you're like, what the heck is going on and how do we get rid of it? So what are you doing when it happens? Let's walk through a scenario. Somebody comes into the house she gets excited. She comes over and she starts just going crazy and humping and jumping type thing. Or what does she do? We've tried a myriad of things. So we've tried like, um, like petting her and saying like, it's okay, Scout. Like it's a nice friend here. You know, just kind of like being really calm. We've tried picking her up or like putting her in our lap, especially like mm-hmm. if one of us is holding the baby and that, that seems to be problematic, you know, like just like reassuring sure. her. We've tried ignoring her. Um, we've tried giving her like a bone, like a special treat when somebody comes to kind of just like, mm-hmm. that will stop her enough. You know, she'll take that treat and she'll go enjoy it. And then depending on how long the treat took her to get through, sometimes then she'll come back and just restart the hunting. Yeah. Um, and I finally reached out to you cause the other night we had people over and like, I, I think Mike, you could say it was about an hour where she like, she couldn't calm down. Like it just mm. was happening over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, it is. I agree with your assessment that it's not like biting, but it is, I mean, like your leg gets, I mean, it hurts the human that she's doing it to be. She's scratching you while she's doing it. Like mm-hmm. it's something that is a pretty significant issue and it seemed to have gotten worse, especially, you know, my wife, Ashley is usually the, uh, the recipient 
And like, you know, if you have if you have shorts on, I mean, your legs are getting scratched. I mean, it's something that has gotten progressively worse and is, you know, rather disruptive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, what I would suggest in my experience with these types of things, it's similar to jumping. It's very similar to jumping where the dog gets overly excited. They come over and same thing. It's disruptive. Uh, it could be painful to some people because the dog is scratching you up and jumping on you and booping you in your nose and whatever. So what I like to do is just add a little bit of leash pressure or a correction into the mix to teach the dog to not jump. And you have to just do it at the right time and you have to verbally cue it or mark it. So right now you've re- you've from what you've said, you've rewarded the behavior up into this point. So you're mm-hmm. when she does something, you're petting her and telling her good or you're giving mm-hmm. her a bone. So those or you're picking her up. So all three of those things are telling her this is what I want you to do. I'm encouraging this. Continue to do this. So right. so you'll see significant changes once you flip the script a little bit and add a little bit more punishment into the mix with just like a leash correction. It's very simple. You can remove yourself from the situation and add a leash correction at the same time. So let's let's say she she so you'd have the leash the leash is going to be your enforcement that's your communication okay. dogs. Like if you said, Hey, this is terrible. This is why you don't do that to a kid. They would go, Oh, okay. Sorry. Or you'd say, Hey, no, no more iPad or no more TikTok," And they go, okay, sorry, I won't do that anymore. Right. There's easy ways to communicate with that. But with dogs, you have to be a little bit more assertive. You have to be a little bit more physical, uh, and not in a negative way, but in a way of, Hey, I- I'm assertively telling you that this is not good. Like if, if a kid came up with a glass of hot chocolate milk and was going to dump it on somebody, that's how you should handle this situation. What would you do? You'd run over immediately and grab that kid's arm and take it out of their hand and say, no, you'd assert yourself. You'd stop it before it happened and so on and so forth. So with dogs, it would be very similar. You would just put a leash on the dog, depending on what equipment you have or what collars or whatever. It That is not as big of a, a focus. It's more about right now, you have to correct the behavior when it happens in order to discourage it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Sense. <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to go over a couple things. So um, I just want to go over two really big things to just go a little bit more granular. So positive reinforcement by definition when we're working with dogs in particular is to encourage a behavior to happen again. So we're adding something to the mix. That's the positive that encourages the behavior to frequently happen. Like we want this to happen again. And then positive punishment, again, adding something to the equation and punishing the dog to that discourages the behavior. So there's two different sides of that. Positive reinforcement is, Hey, this is good. We want to see this again in the future. Positive punishment is the exact opposite. So again, like what you've done is you've added, you've added a lot of positive reinforcement into this behavior to encourage it to continue to happen. So now we're just going to flip the script. So what we're going to do is we're going to add a little bit of leash pressure and say, I just like saying off. So the dog jumps Mm -hmm. up, we say off. And this is something that either one of you can do. Um, I I would suggest the person that, so maybe actually this is up your end because I think the person who's, who's, who's getting attacked or humped or whatever that she's doing Jumped on whatever, yeah, yeah whatever the heck she's doing i would just correct that i mean because this this could the reason why i'm saying not specifically humping because this is a type of behavior if it is stemming from overstimulation it could turn into just jumping 
So she may go. Well, she jumps too. <laughs> exactly. So dogs are pretty smart where she'll go, oh, this isn't good, but then I'll, I'll just jump instead. So it's, and, and really this is like anything else in life with dogs, same as it is with humans. If you don't assert yourself to, to add, add some sort of a correction, how in the world will they know that it's not good? And so you can use this as a template for pretty much anything else that you're doing with your dog within reason. So she jumps mm-hmm. up. She has the leash on, you say her name, you say off, and then you give her a little bit of leash pressure down. So if she's coming up, I know she's not a relatively huge dog, but she's also not a chihuahua. So she's, you know, so she comes up, you're just going to take your leash and you're going to pop her down and you're going to say off. And then you just give her a little bit of leash pressure. And then your job is to time your reward system and your punishment, like really nicely. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you know somebody's coming over, she should have a leash on in the house. In the beginning. In the beginning. Yes. So. And what leash, leash pressure is like a quick yank? Like what is, you yeah, just, yeah, it's it, a pop. It's Don't think of it as a yank. You're not trying to pull the dog away. You're not trying to choke the dog. You're not trying to yank the dog. You're simply, it would. it's a quick pop. You're kind of you're disrupting what they're doing. You're kind of snapping their attention out. You're, 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 you're kind of like, hey. And so, yeah. so I think. And the direction that you go definitely matters. And so I've seen I've seen success with this within a couple of minutes where the dog's like, okay, I can't do that anymore. I've seen people do it for a couple of days and then maybe a week. But it really, once you're clear with it, I'm, it you'd be surprised how fast the dog thinks twice about doing some of this behavior. So the so other- So typically- Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Typically we have her like wear a little harness and it's clipped. She's clipped to like the front of it. Mm -hmm. But I also did buy the like, I don't want to call it like a slip knot training leash. The the one that you've recommended. Yes. And I haven't used it that much with her partially because we live in New York city. So like, it's not, Mm -hmm. I can practice with it in the apartment, but it's harder to do outside. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you have a, which like, do you have a thought on like, which one of those you would use or one that's better? Yeah, typically. So front clip harnesses are going to apply pressure to the dog's sternum, if you will, Mm -hmm. like their chest Mm -hmm. and their chest cavity. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm really, really, I mean, I'm a dog lover, dog owner, and then trainer, right? So I first comes to me of like simplicity and what works. And to make your life easier, quicker, right? So for me, I like using the slip leash because I have found over the years, not only just myself of being, I was a dog walker long before this as well, and all of my clients out there, that the the harness is, they're not as precise. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't add that umph that you need to really kind of snap them out of the whatever they're in. So you end up yep. pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling back. And the dog's like, mm-hmm. you're annoying me versus like, Hey, this is more correct, more of a correction. So, yeah. and, and then the, the whole safety thing of the harnesses of just the dog getting kind of slammed back. Like, I don't want, don't think of it as it's precision over power. So mm-hmm. I find that the harness, because it's not precision based, it's kind of just pulling the whole chest cavity at one time. And it, mm-hmm. it's not getting the dog's attention. It's just kind of like rearing them back. And it almost sometimes to some dogs, if they are frustrated, like I guess if a dog, 
if a dog is doing these things, humping and jumping and getting overly stimulated and comes up and then you take the leash and you take the harness and you pull them back, to me, I think that that would more frustrate the dog and the dog would come right back. What I'm trying to do is be very precise about the exact behavior the dog is doing wrong so the dog understands that that's what you're doing. So for me, I would recommend the slip leash because mm-hmm. it's more precise and it's going to help you get your point across faster and you're not going to have to mm-hmm. tug the dog back for two or three days. The dog jumps up, off, pop, off, pop. And I have, if you've watched my videos, uh, yeah. you can see how I demonstrate these corrections. It's it's not a pull, it's a pop. So you're thinking precision over power. So as soon as the dog jumps up and you can st- you don't have to move away or anything, you can just stand there and you'd say off, correction. And then as soon as the dog puts all fours down or just makes a better decision, that's where you could you can mark and reward to say good off. And then you'd pay the dog either verbally or you'd pay the dog with a piece of food. Personally, mm-hmm. for me, what I would do, slip leashes on. It's nice and snug right behind the ears. If you know somebody's coming over or you guys can time somebody coming home from work or a friend or a neighbor coming over or whatever, um, you can time it nicely where somebody comes in. You, you're not trying to restrict the dog from going up and greeting this person. However, your job is to very precision precision wise or precisely to correct the behavior so as soon as the dog is off the two front feet off correction and then as soon as the dog is sitting there what i like to do is just pay the dog with like a piece of food or a treat or whatever um mm-hmm. the kibble that your dog's eating and to to really teach them that that be so you're it's called operant conditioning as soon as the dog jumps up we're like nope this is bad we don't want to do this we're, we're going ah, no leave it off whatever you want to say the pressure comes on, and then as soon as the dog makes a better decision and just – that's the thing is like you have to – it's kind of discretionary on what you would like to see out of your dog. For me, mm-hmm. as long as the dog is just on all fours, I'm rewarding that. So if they're spinning around or they're circling me and they're excited, I'm okay with that because they're not jumping. So I'm being very, very precise about the behaviors that we're trying to discourage here. Okay. Does that make sense? It's a pretty yeah. – simple thing you just have to time it and the important thing is is when you're doing this be consistent like everybody has to be consistent when this happens so the dog jumps up and you guys can pick whatever you want it doesn't matter what it is you could say oranges but you got to say something and then enforce it so the dog jumps up we'd say off and then if he if if she doesn't get off then you would pop the collar down and just give her a little bit of pressure and you're basically just correcting and as soon as the dog gets down, you'd say, good off. And then you'd pay the dog. And she might jump right back up because she's not used to this game or this scenario. Mm-hmm. Or she hasn't seen this picture before. She's so used to saying like, you're here, you're here, you're here, doing, 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 and getting like crazy. And so she has to get used to calming down and staying on all fours. And, and that's where you're paying her. And then the leash can start to go away. And the goal is for her when she gets excited for you to say off and then she gets down and you say good off and you still reward her so the overall goal just like you're teaching a dog how to heal or walk nicely on a leash isn't to ever depend on the equipment it's there to enforce things in the very beginning to help teach the dog clearer and faster just like with positive reinforcement the goal isn't you shouldn't have to go around with an italian deli at your hip to get your dog to do anything right so it's you have to just make sure you're consistent and in the beginning yes you're going to leave the leash on or the slip leash on for as long as you feel comfortable doing. And then once the dog gets it, 
you don't you shouldn't have to add any pressure other than your verbal pressure. Yeah. Okay. And then I guess follow up question to that. We haven't so that all makes sense for that behavior. Like I think that's is there anything you have a question about, Mike? Nope. So Okay. So then as a follow up to that, when in terms of like the leash and the harness, because I do think to your point, like she finds the harness to be mm-hmm. just a nuisance and we walk her a lot, but then she has a dog walker and I think the dog walker is great, but they definitely, she walks with other dogs and they walk really slow. So when we're trying to walk with her in the city and like keep the pace, she, you know, she'll decide like she's going West and you're going mm-hmm. East and, She'll pull really far backwards. What would be your recommendation of like, like the same thing? Can you, would you feel that slip leash is like safe enough to use in yeah, the street? Like, what do you recommend? Yeah, it's a good question. It, it, um, it, it can be, it's, I, I mean, I've, I've taken hundred pound plus German shepherds out with slips and they've done great with yielding to leash pressure. But that, you know, one thing I'll say is like, I, talked about earlier a little bit about the heel is when you get an animal right there, especially any type of, any type of working line type of dog, uh, spaniels, King Charles, terriers, dogs who are historically bred to hunt and retrieve and to chase. And what my point is, is animals are animals, right? They're savages. And we are basically like, hey, come and live with us humans. And don't get me wrong, I understand that over time in genetics, dogs have been domesticated pretty considerably, but they still will go and kill things and eat dog poop and rabbit. They're still gross and still animals, right? So um, my point is, is when you go out with an animal on a leash, on a piece of string, if you will, with the slip or just the harness or whatever, you're essentially, you have to be realistic and fair to what you're asking the dog to do. So essentially, when you go outside, they have four legs, we have two other animals, they got a lot going on. You're expecting them to walk in slow motion at your pace in a very distracted environment. And so my, my I guess my, my answer to to your question is, you have to teach the dog what you want first before you expect this behavior to happen. So if your dog doesn't know, because that's the question I always ask. Okay, my dog is pulling. We go east, they go west. Got it. What do you want your dog to do alternatively? Well, I want my dog to walk nicely. Okay, next. How much time have you spent on teaching your dog how to walk nicely? Zero. Okay, well, that's where that's where we need to start. And that's 99% of dog owners who go through this road mapping of you know, I got an animal on a leash and they don't pay attention and they drag me or they pull me or whatever. How do I stop that? And the first thing you have to realize and you have to do is you have to teach the dog the behavior you want before you go out into realistic expectations and then expect these things to happen. Yeah. I mean, does that make sense? So I'll, I'll explain in depth, but that's, that's just like the, the, the reality, like people, my dog won't come back. Have you taught your dog to come? No. Well, we can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's well, and she's like she's she's decent in the like. The only other thing I'll like layer on before we like get into the walking mm-hmm. is that we live in an, an apartment building in New York, and I it hasn't been as bad lately, but we ha- have seen her be like very aggressive towards other dogs in the building when she's on the leash, like in the lobby. So that would be 
another like just leash issue that we've had yeah. and it's not as it's not constant but since we moved into this building last march it, it never happened before like we lived in plenty of other buildings she never was like this for whatever reason in this building she has like decided that <laughs> she needs to be like very aggressive when she's on a leash with other dogs mm-hmm. mike you can add to this because i feel like you've experienced a lot of it too um but that is just like one other i think like kind of issue we'd love to like get advice on how to handle it yeah. sounds like maybe some of the same strategies as the like humping would be effective yeah. but i'd love your input on that too yeah, very similar, very similar strategies for sure. And it, and it really comes down to what are you doing about it realistically? So if you think about you get into an elevator, there's another person, she starts to do whatever, growling, lunging, barking, jumping, whatever. You have to really take into consideration, okay, what have I done about this so far? Have I pulled the dog back? Have I tried to distract the dog with food? Have, have I picked the dog up? Have I tried to feed the dog habitually until the person gets off the elevator or we do? I mean, you got to think about how much you've actually paid this dog to do that behavior. And then you have to ask yourself and really audit what you've done about it effectively. So again, like these are the types of things kind of similarly to the jumping and the pulling on the leash is, and this is normal. So a lot of dog owners kind of have these multi-layered things, right? And this is why I was saying this earlier is you're going to see other behaviors start to pop up or you're going to see other behaviors that your dog does that you want to discourage, right? And if you're not doing a good enough job at being clear with your discouragement, then the dog is going to continue to do these things. So any type of behavior you don't like, ask yourself how much, if when you correct your dog or when you tell your dog to leave it, how much do they turn around and look at you and go, my bad, and stop. And if the answer is zero, then you have to try to be creative and you have to work at finding something else alternatively that will help you move on. And I'm not married or subscribed necessarily to this is, this is the only tool to use. This is the only piece of equipment you use. I just like to uh, encourage people to use certain tools that are out there that are really safe because they're, they've been really helpful and help solve a lot of issues for millions of people the slip collar, the plastic pinch collar, the prong collar, these are the types of things that really help you communicate with your dog more effectively. So I think my answer to you is going back to the, let's go back to the pulling and then we'll get to the elevator. But again, when you have a dog doing a behavior you don't want, such as pulling on the leash, there's two things is how well does the dog know how to do the alternative thing of walk nicely on the leash? How much time have you spent on working the dog how to heal? Some people can get lucky where they get a dog and the dog literally never pulls. And then you get a dog that pulls and you're like, what the hell's wrong with this thing? I don't understand. But my, but as a professional, my job is to tell you that realistically, your dog's going to continue to pull in these high distracted environments in Manhattan or in New York City in general. If you don't teach them, say, hey, I'm going to cue you to walk nicely, just like with kids right? You pull into Disney World, you pull into the park, they want to get out of the car and run across the busy parking lot and see Mickey Mouse. They're not going to do that because you're going to say, hey, I want you to hold my hand. Just like we did when we were kids, we listened to mom and dad for those reasons. But if you don't have that accountability, and you don't have that control and communication, it's going to be very, very hard. And likely what you're doing now, which a lot of other dog owners do, 
is they just hold on to the dog with the harness and pull it back or they pick it up and then move on. And it doesn't help really teach the dog how to get over these things. So my suggestion is do a little bit of heel work, which I can go over if you'd like. I'm not sure how familiar you are with it or how much you want to know about it. But the other thing is, is just getting some piece of equipment that can help you yield to this leash pressure. So if your dog is pulling, if again, if you think about the mechanics of how the harness may work, is if the dog is pulling actively and you're pulling their chest back, you have no leverage, you have no power steering, you have no ability to really fine-tune these things and change the direction of the dog. That's why the slip leash is really nice because you can... And I think... Yeah. Sorry to interrupt No, you. you're good. She's she's not pulling us forward, so it's slightly different in that she's often, like, stopping and refusing to walk. So you're trying to pull... So we're trying to, like, get her to walk, mm-hmm. and she is on all fours saying, like, I'm not walking. I'm going back. Yeah. <laughs> so... Just, yes. just in terms of like yeah, where yeah, we're yeah, having yeah. issues. Yeah. yeah, and even further back. So even, okay, so there's like these pillars of, of certain things. And even before teaching your dog behaviors, you should teach your dog how to yield to least pressure. So if you think about it like a diagram, you have a dog that understands certain verbal cues and markers. And a, a dog also understands leash pressure, which is kind of like a horse, understanding that if you pull back, they go back. If you go, if you pull left, they go left. If you go so on and so forth, they, they have to understand how to shut leash pressure on and off. And that's the very beginning thing that we do with any dog that we work with is they have to learn how to shut the leash pressure off first before you can really do things. And this is again, where different types of equipment is out there. Like if you were, if I was a, if I was a mastermind contractor, carpenter, and you were working on a project and I said, Hey, you're using, you're using the screwdriver and you need to be using the ruler. These are the types of things that we're talking about that when you're going out, let's paint a picture. You go out, you're walking down the street. All of a sudden she pancakes boop on the ground. You have a front clip harness. So you're moving forward potentially with a stroller or whatever else you got going on. And then you pull her and she just gets dragged and she would rather just get dragged than actually walk with you. Now in my experience and with all of my clients, if we switch to that slip collar that applies that pressure to the dog, what you're what you're able to do is p- apply a little bit of pressure and then the dog goes boop and then moves forward. But if you think about when we add pressure to a dog's chest and we basically bear hug them and try to pull them versus putting something directly behind their skull, <laughs> essentially, and give them a little bit of leash pressure, they're going to actively move with the piece of equipment that's going to give them more pressure where their power steering happens, which is their head versus a dog getting bear hugged and dragged. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say something that you can do tonight or tomorrow or whenever you have time is go out and do that. Put the slip on, go outside and then just start walking. And as soon as she pumps the brakes, and as soon as she kind of fights it, she's like, no, 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 I, I don't want to do this or I want to go the other way or whatever she wants to do. You mm-hmm. turn your back and you just give her a little bit of leash pressure. And I'm telling you, it's like clockwork. The dog will 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 buck up a little bit and then she'll go, oh, I have no choice. And then she'll jump forward with you. Okay. I've seen that happen a hundred times in New York City, like all the time. And what would be like, if we're going to, if we're using this leash, which I like watch your videos and I ordered it and then, you know, 
proceeded uh-huh. to like not do a lot of practice with it yet, but things feel more desperate now. Um, yeah. Where would you like, what would be a good cue? I mean, what would be a good cue to like start introducing her to that? Is it just practice walking outside? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like for the, like, this yeah. is how I'm now going to correct you. Yeah. Um. So just basic leash pressure. So what I like to do is put the leash on because a lot of, again, a lot of dogs who, just like putting a muzzle on or putting, putting a collar on a dog in general that has never really had a collar. They're going to be scratching and rolling over and they may be uncomfortable with it. But what I like to do is just put the leash on and just start teaching leash pressure. So if you have a hallway, go out in the hallway and walk forward and then, and then backpedal. And then the dog's going to go, like you said, east, and then you go west and you just, you start teaching the dog how to shut the pressure off. So they Mm -hmm. have to, it's called negative reinforcement. So they're, they, they, you're taking away the leash pressure the moment they commit to you. So you're, you're reinforcing the behavior by taking the pressure off. So if you pull back on a dog and they turn around and walk with you, boom, you've won. But my, right. my point is, is you have to teach them how to do that in order for that to, to work in any application. So that's the first thing I would do. Go out in your hallway, either in, either in your building hallway or in your, your home hallway and just do a little bit of leash pressure. And what I like to do in the beginning is a calibration. That's what I call it. So I, mm-hmm. I walk forward and I turn and I say, come. And I just turn and go one way. And typically the dog goes one way, you go the other way. And the dog, and then you just give the dog a couple pops on the collar. And your momentum, yeah. your momentum is just walking forward. You're just moving. And then you do the same thing. And then eventually, if you do it right, the dog will look at you and turn every single time you turn and then you give the dog a break. So that's the first thing I would do is just teach this dog how to shut the leash pressure off and also get accustomed to yielding to teach the dog how to yield to this leash pressure. So basically if you pull one way, all the dog has to do to shut the pressure off is take one step for you forward and then it shuts off. Just like I was talking about outside if the dog plants on the ground and says I'm not moving, yeah. but if you're using yeah. a harness it's, 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 it's like, it's nothing to them. They're like, yeah, whatever, drag me. But if you, if you use like, like with a horse, like I, I equate this horses, llamas, donkeys, any huge livestock animal. If we were to just lasso them from their, basically where you sit, where the saddle is, we'd never be able to get them to move anywhere ever. You, right. right? right. You, that's why they're yeah. in halties. You have to apply pressure to an area that they actually will help yield to. So, and the goal because then you'd say, well, I don't want to tug my dog around. No, you don't. And you don't have to. But in the beginning, there's going to be some some friction. There's going to be resistance. Right. But as soon as, like a horse that knows leash pressure or pressure in general, you grab the reins, you walk forward, they follow you. You're not dragging yeah. them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's how it yeah. works. All right. I mean, I think that makes sense. Like, is there other stuff? Like, do you want to ask him about, like, the kids and stuff? Or do you want to? Like yeah, larger I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've had a couple situations where, like, and uh, I think the answer here might just be, look, there's not much to be done, but, like, toddlers, not ours. She's very good with our baby, but we've had a couple, like, our niece one time and our friend's kid, like, got her from behind, and she doesn't nip, but she certainly expresses dissatisfaction with, like, a growl, um, you know, and, and kind of turns around, and, it, it, it you know, it's, it's unsettling for the kid. Again, you know, we watch the kids and make sure they don't get her from mm-hmm. behind because obviously the dog's just reacting to something that they were not expecting and scared them or whatever the case may be. 
but we have had a couple incidents. And like I said, the dog's certainly not biting the kids, but it's a pretty aggressive growl and spin around, you know, towards the child. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like you said, it's, it's, I think we have to have this, this, uh, gray area fairness to the dog of like, if we're going to have other toddlers or kids around, we have to just be, I think, respectful and mindful. And we have to kind of split hairs here about what is acceptable and warranted from a dog's point of view and then what is not. Meaning, if if a dog growled at a random kid that doesn't live, obviously your dog knows your child and that's why they're good. But And your, your child you guys as parents do a good job, I'm sure, of advocating for the dog to say no, 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 and and vice versa. And so that's why they get along well. But other kids who maybe don't have dogs or other kids who have dogs who don't care about anything or whatever the case may be, I think that there's that fine line of making sure that you guys are advocating for both parties. That Because I'm just saying, if a dog's laying down sleeping or if a dog's standing there wagging their tail because they're excited to see you guys and a kid comes up and you know grabs their tail or smacks them in the head with a something i mean these are things that you got and i know you do and i know you are but i guess my my point is mike is just there's a there's a discretionary making sure that you guys are protecting the dog but it's kind of the same thing you guys already are doing i think if a kid comes up and does something to your dog and your dog turns around and growls you guys are yelling at the dog immediately and saying no so I don't know how to answer that, but I think it's kind of like what you were saying is you're going to use a correction, but it's probably going to be verbal because these things are going to happen kind of randomly. But I would say obedience is really helpful in these scenarios because if you had like a good go to your place or your bed command, it would be really helpful when there are toddlers and kids around. Because for me, if I came into the house and I had three little ones running around, I would say, Hey dog, go to your bed. And the dog would go to their bed and I would say, stay. And then I can delegate a lot easier. But if you have the dog kind of doing whatever around the house and you have the kids doing the same thing, you're going to, I mean, having a toddler in general, that's pretty much what you're probably going to do anyway, is just walking around and playing bodyguard. So yeah, that's my kind of input on that. Yeah, we've just, I mean, we've sort of just said like, if kids are over here that like don't know the dog that well, we've actually just like created her in a separate room so yes. that she's not stressed out. Like I think that every time it's happened, it's either been like a surprise or she was like trying to move away from the kid, making mm-hmm. it pretty clear she didn't want what was happening happening. Yeah. Um, and I guess. Yeah, I would do the talk same about it if we can like get as put together as like having her go to a bed, but like. Our only other solution has been like, just create her and save her from the stress. Exactly. You know, totally do that. Anyway. Do that. Do that. Yeah. As a, as, as a professional, like I would exactly, you have the right state of mind on that is I'm going to create her for her benefit because she's not going to love the toddler party that is about to happen. Right. <laughs> so totally. To- and I, I would do the same thing if I had three toddlers running around, which maybe I will someday. But I know that if my dogs were like, Unless they were saints, like literally like 
I, I would love for a kid to ride on my back, but like a lot of dogs just can't handle that that much. So totally out back or in your case in the crate, in the other room, chewing on a bone by themselves. And then just, you know, letting the parents know, Hey, dogs in the room, just, just leave her alone. And that's totally the safest, I think fairest thing to do for both parties. Yeah. Okay, that's good to hear because I we were like feeling bad about it. Yeah, but I think it's that's natural. The best thing. Oh, definitely. And yeah. then the yep. The other thing, which I like, I know probably what you're going to say. So it seems like a dumb question, but like we've been pretty, like I mean, whatever. We've always let her like lick a plate after dinner, right? So of course she likes to like beg for food at the table. I assume that, like, if you want her to stop begging for food, you have to stop giving her table food, like, period. But I'd love, like, you know, is there, is that the answer? Like, or is there a way, like, we can let her lick a plate in the kitchen that's not the dining room after dinner? Or is that just, like, she is a dog? What are you doing? You're just confusing her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, I think, yeah, I think you answered, I, I think you answered your own question, but yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> yeah, I mean, dogs are very habit forming conditioning and that's what keeps them alive. They're like, Hey, good things come from this food comes from this. I, especially if it's table, if it's people food, I mean, it's like, it's, it's even more than instinctually staying alive with, with, with food. Mm-hmm. It's more like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like chicken or yeah. rice or whatever's going on. Right. So I think that's the first step is if you, are sitting at the dinner table and and I'm not the one to tell you whether that's wrong or right because people do it all the time to my dogs and I'm like, whatever, I don't really care. My dog knows mm-hmm. not to come begging for me because, I mean, but you know, also I was just driving home and I was feeding my dog watermelon that I was eating. So there's a, there's, there's that control aspect of if a dog is standing in front of me. So I'll answer two things. Yes. If your dog is sitting in front of you and you're giving the dog table scraps or really any good food, the dog is going to come back for more, just like a stray dog would come back to your door if you fed him. And the yeah. other thing is, is you can have your cake and eat it too, because you guys have already started this. The dog's already four. It's not like she's going to forget like what that means. You guys are eating something <laughs> yummy. It smells good. I've been paid here before. So here's me shooting my shot. So, mm-hmm. but I think ha- what I mean by having your cake and eat it too, is being able to use obedience to say, Hey, not now go, it, go, go to your room, essentially go lay down. And that's what I do with my dog. When I have people over, she's, she loves people. Um, my in-laws give her stuff from the table. So it's this whole thing, right? So she comes over and she's like, Hey, what's going on? And you know, can I get any of that? And then I will say, I'm not going to yell at her for doing that. I'm just going to say, Hey, go to your touch, which is her bed. And she'd go to her touch Mm -hmm. and I tell her down, I tell her to stay. And so I would, I would recommend again, kind of the same thing we were talking about is if your dog is doing something that you don't particularly like them to do. If you had a counter conditioning obedience cue, she's sitting there begging for food. It's yummy steak and chicken, which she may have been paid for before at the same place. Makes sense. It's fair. You've taught her that. But if you say, go to your bed or go to your crate or go to your touch, you're going to then be able to counter that with, nope, go away. And that's what I would do. Okay, I think that's helpful, especially too, because now we have a nine month old who's like sometimes feeding her from her high chair. So it's really, I mean, it's hard because you're like, okay, we yeah. can. Oh, yeah. You know, now nah, that she's like, well, this small person will get <laughs> food. So. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for calling. We really appreciate it. Of course. It. Yeah, no worries. 
All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast. Don't forget, if you want me to answer your dog training questions, go over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review. If you guys are on Spotify, do me a favor and also leave a review. It means the world to me. We do this absolutely for free. We put a lot of time and energy into post-production and the podcast is kicking up shortly because our podcast uh, room over at the new facility is starting to become done, what I'm really excited about. So got a lot of fun stuff in store for you guys for the podcast. So appreciate you guys listening. We're going to get into it. Alice137 Puppy, best podcast. I absolutely love this podcast. I've listened to every episode so far, but we're super disappointed in the last episode, not because of the content, but because now I have to wait until time releases a new episode and I don't want to wait. Separate from the amazing content, I had one question. All right, here we go. I have a foster that was a street dog, approximately one year old, and is going through heartworm treatment soon. Afraid of, afraid of people, afraid of feeling trapped and trying to work on training but struggling on how to reward her or pay her for the good behavior. I want to encourage, sorry, reward her and pay her for a good behavior I want to encourage. No two of, no toy or food motivation, no play motivation, somewhat response to praise, cowers slightly to physical contact but not 100% of the time. We are working with a pinch collar and our bond has improved since implementing this allowing some levels of communication between us on walks, and it's even helped with some leash aggression. No signs of aggression outside on leash walking besides some food aggression when eating dinner. No issues of eating food from somebody else's hand. Looking for any tips you have to reward her for building confidence in a dog who's been shut down. Um, we have made amazing progress over the last six weeks, but looking to make a uh, good question. Thanks for listening. I would say that fasting the dog is the first thing that comes to mind. So just fasting the dog um, and, and getting them really hungry. So if that means fasting them for breakfast and then going out midday or even in the evening um, or fasting them for breakfast and then going out when they're supposed to eat breakfast, um, super high reward. So get some chicken, boil some chicken, get some steak, get some stuff that your dog's really going to be into. I find that especially street dogs, they, they can warm up over time. So if you can start off with a little bit of progression of taking that reward, that's good. I mean, the other thing is, is that high pitched good girl, good boy is always helpful as well. I think that that's just something dogs do really well with, with like that sweet, good job, good boy. That's, I mean, that's all you can do um, if they're not taking anything else and just know that it's going to take some time for that confidence to build and it may take time for them to comfortably take food as well. Um, so it's just a, it's a process, but um, that would be my recommendation to you on that. I would just praise if not it all else fails praise and then fast and then try to up the ante of rewards go to chicken go to steak go to something that you feel comfortable with and uh i think that that'll help all right you guys next one echo and patty great great information addressing the behavior of an intact dog by the way i'm an old lady that owns an argentina mastiff you are so accurate on the changes of owning a protect protection dog i was blessed to get my dog from a trainer but it was your videos that trained me thanks again patty thank you patty hope you're well He'll work with puppy. On to the next. D Dr. H H R D. I found your content through Will Atherton and I've learned so much from you. You both are legends. I have a five month old Newfie who is seventy pounds. Overall he was super chill and doing great with his manners. Never reactive, but also working on gaining his leadership. Heel work has been our focus, but we are currently using the slip lead, but our pops on his lead don't correct or get his get his engagement. And when he doesn't want to work 
or walk, he just plops down and he's worthless. He's, that's that's what it says. He just he just stares at us. Um, would a prong collar be appropriate? He is super thick, double coated, find hard the proper correction. Um, so I would say because he's five months and you're really working on, it sounds like you're working on engagement. Um, and you're when you're working on the plopping down, um, just know that he's checking out likely and you're, you shouldn't or you don't want to like really go new fees in general. First of all, you got a new fee. So they're a super large breed who are going to take a little bit more time to, to learn. And they're not going to work as long or as, as an intense as like a duchy or, you know, a really high class working dog for that. Not that they're not working dogs cause they are, but you know what I mean? And then the other thing is, is it's a puppy and it's a big dog and it's a puppy and it's a big dog and it's a puppy and it's a puppy, big dog. So it's, um, you're dealing with two of those things. It's like, Hey, this dog is still growing. They're still learning. They're still a baby. So I would just give it some more time and I would recommend doing small incremental training sessions and I would be working on your focus and your engagement with food or an item to encourage that to happen. So instead of popping the dog for not doing something, I would truly, really try to focus on encouraging the dog to, to, to do the things that you want them to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can move to the prong, but again, um, I would just, say that if your dog is getting really tired and plopping down, I wouldn't necessarily sit there and correct the dog for that because they're letting you know, and they're telling you like, Hey, I'm done. I'm checked out. I'm, I'm, I'm done. But if you know that you walk outside and your dog plops on the ground, you're like, okay, this is a little ridiculous. I would just say that, uh, the prong collar would be more helpful in that situation with more direction instead of a correction. So in that circumstance, uh, the answer is yes, that would be okay to do. Um, so yeah, that's that's my recommendation on that is the prong collar is okay but again like m- use it more as a directional tool instead of correcting it because it's a five-month-old dog so they're not going to work for long periods of time they're going to lay down they're going to plop because it's a newfie and it's a puppy so hopefully that helps all right you guys that's the end and next week we're getting into three more uh, we have world biking yakko chevs hob seven and a bunch of others can't wait to get into them make sure you guys stay tuned we'll probably just do another one tomorrow to be honest so we'll see you tomorrow we'll see you thursday have a good night guys talk to you later bye save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.